I want to listen to the Jordan High 2004 podcast. Baby, baby, I want to listen to the new episode tonight. Hey, Gonzo. Hi, Steve. That one, I think, was better than our last that's one. The, that's the best intro yet. I love that that whole time. We're staring in each other's eyeballs. <laughs> This is the only the only way to record. Uh, uh, open invitation. Anyone that wants to come and witness this live. Yeah, it's like, I, oh no, I already, I already showed you my new karaoke machine I got from Costco. Yeah, man, I gotta get a new one. Mine's not working too great. We can just now we can use use mine from now on. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> How you been? Good. It's Bonnie's birthday yesterday. So, happy birthday, Bonnie, 36. Ah, oh, welcome. 36 has been the best year yet. I'm sure she will yeah. love it. Yeah, every year getting better. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do anything? We just had um, her cousins over and just hung out. Kids were playing, having fun. Not Nothing too exciting. Just, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to figure out a way to really... Celebrate Bonnie, make her embarrass her. Yes, <laughs> a surprise party <laughs> with karaoke. Uh, of course. Like, hey Bonnie, we're having a surprise karaoke party for you. You're invited to Because <laughs> I was, I was telling you, it's just like, oh, maybe I, I can invite a whole bunch of people over to the house and do karaoke, but I don't know if it'd be for her or for me. It's just like, like mostly for me. I will tell you, it's for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. So yeah, I'll probably do something she likes. Oh, that's awesome. Well, happy birthday, Bonnie. I hope it was a good one. How you been? I I know you were you went to Vegas last week. I went weekend? to Vegas. Uh, it, I'm good. Like Vegas was fun. Went down to BYU Notre Dame football game and you know had a great time. The game like whatever. <laughs> I told you like a long time ago. I I tried to let sports make me happy but not make me sad and that's what I would choose to do this time. BYU didn't win but it's okay. Yeah. Had fun. Like ate a lot of good food. They'll get them next time. <laughs> On Saturday I walked over eighteen thousand steps. Ooh, nice. It's like. You you earned that heart attack burger. <laughs> so it's good, just fun little getaway. It's just me and a buddy of mine, and no kids. I was like slept in like so late this morning. <laughs> the nice thing about like, so I've been at work. I I do like a maybe once a month. I have to go visit a a shop down in St. George, and shoot those hotel room sleeping is like. Dead quiet, completely dark, like no kids <laughs> crying, no nothing. So the room is like nice and cold. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's the best. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. So it was fun. Uh, it was fun. Got back home and I said hi to the kids and then I left to come here. <laughs> so uh, I had a good time. I think Vegas, I don't know. I don't know how I would do Vegas with kids. I feel like it's not super family friendly. So. Not gonna go there with my kids, but yeah. mesquite. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but it's fun. So, just uh, happy birthday to Bonnie, and my wife's birthday is coming up next Sunday. Oh snap! So we should maybe combine it. We'll do like a little combined party. Yeah, definitely need to like roast some marshmallows or something. Roast marshmallows, smoke some meat. Love it. Ladies can come if they want. <laughs> what? Uh, who do we have on tonight? Tonight is one that I'm super excited for. We have. Adrian Walking Horse. Oh yeah! Like I haven't so, so I haven't I hadn't talked to him since like eighth grade. Yeah, and I told that story about Megan Terry, and he reached to out. Megan. Yeah, to <laughs> Megan, yeah, and uh, and he reached out 
And like, so he had been listening and I had no idea. And so I also sent them the episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like so, you're, you're featured in this one. <laughs> love it. It's like, like I knew the story had to be true because that detail of the story was just too random. So he reached out and I was like, did my, I did my duty of saying like, Hey, thanks. Do you want to have an episode? But he, he actually said, yeah, I do want to have an episode. There's some stuff I'd like to share and talk about. And I, I'm super excited to hear about his story and where he's, I don't know. I haven't talked to him for, I mean, really since like, what, 1999? Yeah, like, I'm excited to hear from Long, him. long time. So, Adrian, I'm going to, I'm really excited for this episode. Okay, so here's our conversation with Adrian. Adrian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. And you're in person. One of my favorite when people like make the trek out here yeah. to like hang out in the basement with us. Yeah. So thank you for coming out. Yeah, no problem. You got a good setup. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe take a break or a treadmill for a minute and do a good workout. Yeah, yeah. One of these days yeah. I'll get like, I'll get like an official, like a better table or something. Like a round table. Uh, yeah. I think a like, I think I need a, a card table, like a, table. A, like a poker table yeah. because like this one, I have like a fold out, like lifetime but I think like a poker table would fit like better we'd sit around it a little bit better it'd be perfect yeah let's just start maybe yeah. bonnie for christmas poker table thank you there that's you on my list <laughs> yeah we can do it as a business expense yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'll line something up at amazon yeah. for you. oh there you go that's, i'm sure out. amazon's listening <laughs> they, they're, they're i probably already i'm getting ads for one that's how it goes adrian catch us up just a little bit like what's been what's life been like the last 20 years the last 20 years is oh my goodness it has been a roller coaster honestly a, a lot um i to even i guess pick up where to pick up where a lot of people probably last left me was around eight eighth grade ish the end of there um my parents ended up splitting up around that time, and so I ended up moving to Utah County for a while, and then I moved back to Salt Lake, lived with my dad for a bit, but I mean, other than that, I've been trying to survive, trying to grow up, live a normal life, catch back up with some things that I probably miss out on, so, but other than that, just working hard. And so what are you up to these days? As of these days, currently, I work at Amazon. I've been with them, well... I work at an Amazon, just to kind of clear it up. I've been with them for about four, coming up on four years now. I started with them as an associate, and then I moved over to their uh, mechanics or maintenance side, working in robotics and conveyance and, and everything like that. So I've been staying busy there. I got married in 2017, um, and I've had two daughters in the last couple of years. Congrats. Two kids, yeah. It's it's crazy. I never thought I really ever would. Neither did my wife. We weren't really planning on a lot of it, but it just kind of happened that way. So. Where did these kids come from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll tell you off mic how it yeah. happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we, we both kind of came from broken homes. We weren't planning on it. We'd been through some things, but it just kind of like it worked out. Like things were going good. And so got married and then she was like, yeah. It's having a couple kids. It's so. nice. So do you do you like being a dad? I do. I love it. It's I'm I'm definitely loving it. Two is enough for me. We're done. That's we're gonna keep it small family. I'm okay with two girls. I grew up with all sisters, so I, I was I guess prepared for it growing up. But I I definitely enjoy it. There's a lot of good moments. 
there's scary moments, but there's good moments, and it's it's taken me to another level, I guess, in life. I enjoy it. That's, That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have two daughters myself, so I love, you know, girls are fun. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I have two daughters rolled into one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, thank you for catching us up. Yeah. I I want to break the trend a little bit because I've been super excited. Yeah. I told you I was going to bring this up. So I talked about this story with Megan Terry, how like in seventh and eighth grade, I thought she was like the cutest girl I've ever seen in my life. And like Eli Padilla and I like looked up where she lived and like went to her house. But there was this party mm-hmm. and I was like scared to death. Mm-hmm. Like rolled my bike home. You... The next day at school, we're like, hey, man, like, you're cool and all, but like, like, don't do that. Like, really, like, looking out for me and just trying to make sure, like, I don't, like, keep doing stuff like that and get beat up, maybe. Um, how, after I told this story, you reached out to me. Yeah. And so tell me what happened on your side of that story. Was that true? Did that actually happen? Yeah. Or what, what's your perspective on I, that? For the most part, like, that's spot on. Um, I mean, it was such a long time ago, but I remember everything that even happened at the party. And I feel like I know I saw you. I wanted to even say like Gus um, Stegman. Was he there with you? It was me and Eli Padilla on our bikes like, down the street. I thought there was a third person too. I, I could be wrong, but it's I, I specifically remember it happening and everybody went back inside after like nothing even really happened but I, I remember the next day catching up with you about it and just well back inside where the girls were like what the heck was up with that kid <laughs> I'm not not even really like everybody <laughs> just kind of chuckled away so fast <laughs> yeah everybody chuckled about it and went on but I, I, I specifically remember meeting up with you the day after just being like yeah dude it's cool. Don't worry about it. It's weird, but whatever. I thought my life was over. <laughs> that age range, it definitely does. It's I'm, Even for me, because I was such a lost kid back then, but I was even trying to find my own way fit in. And I felt like that's what I was just trying to help you do, too. <laughs> So, yeah. Hopefully that helps you know not to do that. Okay. Thanks for teaching me that. Yeah. Um, let's let's go to that time. Like if if you can think back to just when you were a kid, you know, middle school, high school. Mm-hmm. How would you describe yourself? What was important to you? What were you like back then? I literally just trying to fit in. That was the majority of it. Make sure I had friends. I don't know. I feel like that was part of the the era. I guess for our age range, it would just wanting to fit in and be part of the groups and make sure I had friends. Um, I remember when my parents split and I had to move, I felt like so broken when I happened to just like my world was ending and it, it, it wasn't, but that's kind of what I remember is just trying to be good to people, have friends fit in, be able to do things. That's kind of how it was. You had to be able to go out and do stuff. You didn't have, computers in your pockets and video games everywhere you go to keep you busy so yeah. it kind of felt important <laughs> <laughs> yeah what were um what were some of the things that you liked to do or like who were people you hung out with i mean back then it was a lot of people um missy moss the blodgetts bryson tree merritt reed all those guys um I kind of had like all these little different pockets of everybody that I had grown up with and hung out with from time to time. I guess like junior high is kind of where some things start to branch off, but a lot of us kind of were a pretty big group 
it's mainly Missy Moss too. She always had killer birthday parties that so many people yeah. would always go to. And so there was a lot of us that were just all just kind of hung out. Nice. What were you into? I mean, back then I, I just started drumming, which I still do today. Um, music was a big part of it. Uh, I just wanted to learn how to play and get into a band, I guess, or like do something like that. Marcus Taylor was another good friend. He played the drums as well. So I hung out with him a lot and he taught me a lot of different things. Sports. I, I did some football and baseball. Um, I think we may have a picture from uh, like a seventh or eighth grade football. I might have, yeah. On. I, yeah. I might even have my Eastmont. I might even have my Eastmont school card in my wallet. So. <laughs> I have I have all of my middle school ones in a box here in the oh, yeah. stairs. Yeah, I have all of mine except for the one where I lost my wallet when we went through those mattresses on Cameron's yard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might not. I know I recently saw it. I thought it was in here, but it might be in my, one of my boxes at school. But yeah, it's it was scary. The Caesar haircut. Yeah. The gel just down your eyebrows. <laughs> right. And that's as cool as it gets. Yeah, I guess so. So you said for your parents split up in, when you were in eighth grade. And was it right away that you moved to Utah County? Yeah, it was the end of eighth grade year, pretty much. Um, it was right around August that year is when I moved down to Utah County. Um, I lived with my mom for about, I want to say about a year and a half. I was living in a house full of women. So <laughs> it was kind of rough. I, I just felt like I wanted to get back up to where my roots were. So I ended up moving back with my dad. At the time, I went to Hillcrest when I moved back. We were living closer to Midville at the time, but even then I still came around and hung out with a lot of the Jordan High kids. Made my way around there and made sure I kept my face around with some people, I guess. That's cool. But yeah. So, even through high school, like, how would you describe yourself then? Like, so High school was probably tumultuous for me at that point. There, there was a lot that I went through at that age range. Um, that summer... Uh, when I moved to Utah County, I actually had a cousin that had drowned and I had been the one that pulled him out of the pool and tried to save his life. And he died about three weeks later. Oh, wow. And so I went through a lot at 14 years old and especially with my parents divorcing, I kind of had to grow up real quick throughout high school there. I guess I just struggled even still trying to find myself and what my purpose was. I just wanted to have fun at that point big things I didn't want to feel. I was hurting. I was just a teenage kid, like a lot of people that I'm just hurting. Um, and at that point, I kind of went down a pretty dark road. I, I know a lot of other people have too, but I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol and playing around that way. And it definitely took a turn south, I guess, for a while. I never really actually finished high school completely. I ended up dropping out senior year at Hillcrest. I tried to save it by going to Valley. Still was too hard. I was having too much fun making what I thought was really good money, dealing drugs and being dumb. Um, luckily, I never got caught by the cops or anything, but I just kind of continued down a pretty reckless path for a bit until something changed, I guess. It wasn't until I was about 20, 22, 2008. So yeah, about 23, just after I turned 23. At that point, um, it was kind of weird. And again, it's literally like all my friends from Jordan High did like this weird turnaround 
was somebody older than us. It was Robbie Barrett. I don't know if you remember him or knew him. Mm-hmm. They were great above us. Um, he had a twin sister, Stacy. She grew up in that same ward with like me and the Blodgetts. Yeah. Same general area. But I had hit pretty much rock bottom at that point. And it was out of nowhere. He ran into my mom. And she had a discussion with them. They knew where I was living at the point, but it was just out of nowhere. He showed up at my door, knocked on the door. I didn't answer it. My roommate did and basically said, like, you can either go get him and bring him here or we're going to bust the door down and drag him out kind of a thing. Um, I ended up kind of taking off to avoid the situation, but that was kind of my turning point as far as life and sobriety. Um, It was about a week later. I ended up in a detox trying to... Mm-hmm. Straighten things out. Wow. Uh, yeah. That, so you went with him? Did you end up talking with him? No, I, I didn't end up going with him. I felt like the better situation was just to get out of there so neither one of them could grab me, maybe. Um, I, I was on a pretty bad downhill stroke at the moment. Was what they refer to as hurting and withdrawals. It had been a, a, a couple days since I had had anything, so it was kind of like a panic thing. I just up and ran away and got to where I could to feel better. That was kind of a moment where it was like, okay, maybe people do care about me. I guess like my mom was enough to talk to him and he was enough to come try and find me at least to have some kind of intervention or something. But um, this was right before Thanksgiving when it happened Thanksgiving day, I called my mom finally and I was like, okay, I need help. That's pretty much it. Like I'm done. I got to do whatever I got to do. It's time to straighten up and figure myself out. And had, you, had you been in touch with her or was it like you had no, I, I probably hadn't even talked to her for at least a month at that point, pretty much any of my family, but she, she knew where I had lived and she had tried to stop by a couple times. We were never there. Um, she had stopped by at one point where a different roommate had answered the door. So that's when I kind of knew she was looking for me around that time frame. But I mean, I mean that I, I was out of contact with a lot of people at that moment. So it was literally just kind of like an out of nowhere thing when it happened. The bigger part of that, I guess, story or the intervention or where I finally was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is the moment. The house that I was living in at the time um, was directly across the street from the Provo Hospital. Uh, I ended up in a detox facility in Utah County, which was right next to the Utah County Jail. And I called some friends letting them know, like, this is it. Like, I'm going to disappear. You're not going to hear from me. But I guess the ones that I consider good friends, just kind of letting them know, like, I'm done. I'm going away. I'm going to fix this. Whatever I got to do. And one of the last friends that I talked to kind of let me in and let me know that that house that I had been living in was raided by the DEA the day after my mom came and picked me up and told me in. Um, They had been watching my other roommate and and, uh, one of our buddies who we were doing a lot of runs from Salt Lake to Utah County. Um, But I mean, the three of us were together all the time. And they busted the house. They found all kinds of stuff. They were across the street from me in the jail. But uh, I guess like my higher power moment, my God moment was that they literally asked nothing about me. The DEA, when they watch anybody's house or do any kind of investigation like that, they're watching everybody, but there was no question about me. I was pretty scared. Most of the time I was in there waiting for someone to come say you're going across the street, but I got out and right then after detox, I was like, yep, let's get in rehab, whatever I got to do to, I guess, stay under the radar. Cause I wasn't sure what was going to happen. Yeah. I didn't talk to either of those guys for months after. Um, but 
even when I eventually did, the other roommate ended up getting sober. Um, and he kind of gave me the background to what had happened. He just said, no, they were just looking at the other two. They had no questions about me. Neither one of them said anything about me. And I'm lucky. Yeah. I'm very lucky. Have anything like that on your record would cause a lot of problems for any kind of future. Right. So I kind of took that as a starting point, figuring myself out, I guess. And I mean, from that, what did you find? Like, who, who, who's Adrian today, or who did Adrian become after uh, that? I, I I tripped and fell a few other times after that. Uh, it's it's not an easy thing. Um, they talk about like relapses part of the program doesn't have to be, but it is. It's, I, I had to, I had to change everything. The way I thought, the way I carried myself, the people I talked to, um, the people I hung out with in general, um, and just kind of not controlling everything. Cause that's kind of how it was for me is I had to control everything in my life and to feel anything at all, I guess. But after that, I was just all reverse thinking. I just kind of had to finally let go. Uh, around 2011, it was a, a second rehab trip. I got out, and that's where I kind of changed a lot of my process uh, and a few things. And that's around the time that I met my wife. Even around that time, there were still some struggles. But I think one of the biggest things that helped was her. I owe a lot to her. She uh, has stuck with me through a lot of bad stuff, but even the good stuff. And she just kind of wrote it out. But ever since then, she's been my rock. She's a responsible person. <laughs> she graduated high school. She had a full ride scholarship. Uh, played soccer at ASU. She was she's a teacher. So I just I guess in a way I held on to her, and she helped me kind of learn how to be responsible to a degree. Because um, it was after we finally. Uh, I had my final relapse that she stuck with me. I found a solid job. I stuck with it. I was able to buy a car, fix my credit, kind of build up to where I am. But today, me, I'm a much happier person. I'm a dad. I love being a dad, like I said before. But I think the biggest thing is being there for others is what I try to focus on, just being helpful in whatever way that I can. Whatever little bit for me goes a long way try to be there for other addicts or anybody else that's hurting, even if they're not just try to be there to comfort people. Um, it just kind of helps me stop, I guess, remembering some of the bad stuff that I've done and that I'm still a good person in a way, <laughs> or at least try to. How, how long have you been sober? Uh, I'm coming up on 12 years this December. December awesome. Yeah. Congrats, man. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. It's, it's a big deal. That's a good feeling. Um, in the beginning, it was hard to put together a year, a year and a half at a time, but to get to that point, um, it's comforting, but I'm not comfortable, I guess, is the way I got to stay. Um, I don't want to rest on any laurels or anything else because that's where things can catch up for me. So I guess the biggest thing is I try to stay busy, try to be there for people and be a man of my word. Yeah. That's the best way I can put it. I think that's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, I was thinking, so you talked about how like in middle school and through high school, you just like, you didn't want to feel, you started getting into this. Mm -hmm. What was it through, I mean, going through rehab or uh, like detox and then feeling again, then going through detox, doing all this, like, what was it that you started to feel 
again. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it's, what is that? It's, a lot of it is just one of the biggest things with recovery or the, the 12 steps in general is feeling and learning how to cope with it and deal with it. And that's, that's a big important thing in the steps is being able to cope with those feelings and live with yourself in a manageable way. Um, I guess day one, the second you're dope sick is when you really start feeling and that's kind of where the rubber meets the road for a lot of people. The first time I had to be in a place where I was on lockdown, the other times I was able to kind of do it in a more manageable way. But the important thing is surrounding yourself around other people, other addicts, and just dealing with your, your shit. Sorry. That's the best no. way to put it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just just dealing with it, hammering it out. Um, uh, making amends is a big one. I think that's probably the biggest thing that made a difference for me in this current 12-year run that I'm at um, is I got to a point where I finally was able to apologize for some people that I wronged and some things that I had done in the past. And sometimes you don't always get to do it to their face. It's not always the healthiest thing, but um, there's a few ways that a lot of the old timers will walk you through on doing it and kind of squashing it and being able to move on. But that's, I guess that's the big thing is being able to move on and making sure, I guess today I'm here for my daughters, my wife, my job, and then myself by the end of it all. Yeah. Staying sober. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Have you, um, found any new passions? Is there something that you're passionate about today? I honestly, my job, I love it. I like it's, I work other jobs, sales, knocking doors for ADT, going to other States, like made some crazy good money. I worked at ClearLink for a little over seven years, climbed the ladder there and it was fun. It was stressful. But uh, after my first daughter was born, I was just like, I'm done. It's like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Too much stress. Like I've got a daughter now and it's contingent on my sales agents selling stuff. So I get a decent paycheck to make sure she's got food and diapers. I'd rather just be able to make it contingent upon me. Um, and that's when they had just opened SLC one down the road. And so literally I gave them my paternity leave and I didn't go back and I went and got a job at Amazon and I guess finding reward and working hard and having a paycheck, but, um, learning the technology at that place is bonkers at how it happens. Buildings like SLC one of the ones I work in are technically money pits for Amazon. Yeah. They don't make much money off of those buildings. They don't, it's a lot of electricity. It's a lot of internet in general. If you know how that data stream works, what it can cost, it's out by the airport. There's not much. So they're piggybacking off of other people. And there's those internet accounts cost hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. So most of those buildings are away from general population. So it's on the outskirts. They're spending a lot of money just to keep those places running. But it's to think about it, you clicking on something and then me in a building reaching into a, a, a pod to grab it and put it in a tote, send it out the door to get to your doorstep. Well, when I learned how that worked, I was like, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I wanted to learn more. And so that's kind of why I got into the robotic side um, and the maintenance, uh, the engineering side of it. And it's, it's been really fun. I've uh, been able to help launch some of the, the new giant buildings that they have, which are 
even cooler with how they work. It's just learning about all the new things and being able to learn about it and do it all without having a degree, I guess. I, I mean, a GED was the furthest that I got, and I'm working with people that have engineering degrees and all these crazy backgrounds, and to be able to keep up with them, it kind of feels good. I enjoy it. That's cool. That's awesome. And the thing it is, they're, I mean, the way that they track and inventory is just out of this world they're like nuts. it's crazy it's like we're living in the Jetsons <laughs> right literally that's the only thing we're missing is flying cars but I feel like coming soon your packages will be coming from the air drones. Drones. Yeah. yeah it's it's not far away uh, the second we see uh, Prime Air open up around here you'll be expecting that but yeah I, I mean it's nuts to even think about like the amount of stuff that goes into a building how it all gets separated I mean SLC one has four floors there's about 25,000 pods per floor. And then there's just, I guess, billions of dollars of product in there. And it comes in and goes out and it breaks while it's in there too. So there's that aspect. But everything is tracked. They, they don't miss a beat with any of it. But a lot of it is AI systems with how it's done. I mean, a box of something comes in, they just toss it into a tote and the system knows it came in, it was beeped in when it came in the door, so it's somewhere in the building. They know how many are in there and at some point it'll get beeped again on the way out the door. But it's bonkers. It is bonkers. Yes. And it's it's exciting. Bonkers. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> the thing is like, so, you know, we'll have like an inventory system at, a, at my work and mm -hmm. if, whenever you like talk to an owner and they're like, well, there's limitations to this. They're always like, well, Amazon can do it. Right. <laughs> You're like, God, mm -hmm. you got me. Yeah. <laughs> you just gave me $300 billion. You go. I think I can figure it out. I know someone who knows someone. Yeah, it's kind of, it's Jeff. Rough. There you go. Daddy Bezos, they need your help. No, it's cool. It's good. I'm, I'm definitely learning and growing in a lot of ways, and it's exciting. That's really cool. Yeah. What would you say? I mean, it, it sounded like you were sharing a lot through your recovery and your like being sober, but what would you say your like life's biggest lessons? What have you learned in the last 20 years? Oh, that's a deep question. I'm only human, I guess. Um, I held on to a lot and I guess that's what I struggled with in the beginning was just holding on to it. Uh, I mean, even as a younger kid, I was pretty shy and timid in a lot of ways. But uh, I, I guess today being open, honest, and telling people, I guess, where I'm at or how I feel in a way. Because I even used to just, like, lock up on that kind of stuff and just, like, hold it in. But I guess I'm, I'm more of an outgoing person than I used to be and just sharing with everybody. I guess that's the big difference is I, I just like sharing with others, whatever it might be, knowledge a laugh, some food, money, a ride. Love it. I like all those things. <laughs> good. What good made you, like, you know, what What do you think was the change or trigger to you, for you to learn to, like, be more open? What what led, what led to that? I, I guess just the whole recovery process in general is what kind of got me there. It was on my last relapse, and it was mainly, again, with my wife. I literally, I order my life. I really do. Um, but that was one of the big things with her was just, like, being honest. Just tell me what's going on. Um, tell me 
what you need or how can I support you? That kind of stuff. And I, I really didn't have too many people that were like that. I burned a lot of bridges. Yes. Um, my family was kind of, they were keeping me at arm's reach in a way. Um, but I guess to kind of have somebody that was there to do that for me kind of made me realize like, yeah, I should start being open, being honest, but that's, that's kind of the door that I guess I had unlocked too. And so the realization of that's how I've got to operate. Have like some of those relationships mended over the years? They have. Like- yeah. Um, my sisters just kind of within the last couple of years were back to hanging out talking, um, sharing family stuff, birthday parties, all that other stuff. Um, my mom's still kind of, we're working on it. Um, my dad, same thing. But for the majority of the rest of the family, it's all still a work in progress. And it's, I did damage, they did damage, we're figuring it out. That's kind of, I'm feeling it as I go. And when the time comes, I know it'll be there. I'll be ready for it. Yeah. That is like, and I mean, Steve and I talk about this all the time, like adult family relationships can be so complicated. They like, that's. It's an interesting thing, like, as the dynamics change, as kids become mm-hmm. their own people, mm-hmm. and um, those relationships shift. Yeah. Um, yeah. Crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, parents sometimes forget that we're in our <laughs> That you're not a baby. Right? Yeah, or you're not a teenager or whatever. Why are you asking me for more advice? <laughs> I don't want your advice. That's not bad. <laughs> and that crescendo there. Talking to talk to my wife about it instead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's different. And it's it's definitely a different dynamic and managing it and, and doing it. And it's uh, even for my parents, I know it's gonna have to be like the meat and potatoes is probably gonna have to be with a therapist even. So like sometimes that's okay. I think that's the hard part these days too. Um, I don't know if it's like a Utah thing in general, but like people are still kind of like standoffish with therapists or like having a mediator with some of those things. It helps. It makes a big difference. A big, big difference. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm and sure. it is like, I mean, I, th- I think we're, we're probably Utah is maybe a little bit more old, old school than mm-hmm. maybe the rest of the country or something. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know, I don't know either. I haven't like, lived anywhere else. Like, yeah. Therapy, like uh, yeah, I'm all for it. I think in our house, like we're all for it. And yeah. Hopefully that thing's, that's changing. So people are more willing to, mm-hmm. I think people just don't want to be wrong. Yeah. I think that's the hard part is yeah. that if we go to this, somehow I might be wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't yeah. want like this therapist to gang up on me and make me feel. <laughs> well, bad. yeah. When you're talking about couples or like mediation mm-hmm. or things like that, it's like, Oh, is someone going to gang up on me. But I think there's also the point of like, is there something wrong with me or wrong with my mind when yes. you're like needing to reach out and have like one-on-one counseling mm-hmm. or therapy, mm-hmm. you know, that, that could be another thing that's hard to mm-hmm. like acknowledge within yourself enough to say like, Oh, maybe it would be beneficial for me to talk to someone. Yeah. I think that's a big one. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with no. you to, no. to have that. There's not. So put down your balls. There you go. <laughs> you know, right. How so, did you, I want, how did you meet your wife? Uh, match 
Match.com. Oh, yeah? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, it works, folks. Geez, For all you single people out there, <laughs> internet dating, match me. <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. She she grew up with my cousin. She went to Bingham High School. She's, uh, she's I want to say she's two years behind us. It might be one year. Um, but she grew up in South Jordan. She grew up with my cousin. But in like a weird way, we figured that out while we were on our first date. But yeah, it was just on match. I had like two weeks left on my account and she had just signed up. So it was just like this, I don't know, the stars aligned. That's what I tried to tell her, but she won't say that. Um, but yeah, we just kind of, we met on match and same thing. We didn't plan on dating, but it just kind of happened. So that's, I guess, how our relationship is. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's worked. Yeah. I love hearing success stories for stuff like that. Yeah. It's, that's pretty cool. There's, there's hope out there for everybody. <laughs> yeah. At this point, we've been together for 11 years all together. So good for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Long time. Long, long time. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian, do we, uh, do we have any beef? No, I I even tried to like think about stuff, but I there really wasn't much. I don't I don't remember anyone or anybody specific. I the only thing that did happen, I got in a fight with Nick Raymond, but like we even made up with that. So I don't even think I had beef with anybody. What do you think about that, Nick? Oh, uh, who won that fight? That's, That's a good question. That's a good question. For well, now, let's just say Adrian. Yeah. Unless Nick tells me otherwise, I have to see. Have him come in and do an episode. No, I really don't have beef with anybody. I hope nobody has beef with me still, but I, I, I feel like I got along with most people. That's good. I don't have any beef. Now. Same. Yeah. I just love you so much. I just like that memory of mine. It's like, Classic. It's like, yeah, it's a Steve, core memory. Steve has carrots for you. He's yeah, just like, carrots. He's just like, <laughs> this one kid told me not to be creepy. <laughs> Stop <laughs> being creepy that day. <laughs> Life changing advice. Did you know you shouldn't <laughs> stop people? <laughs> but I could offer yes. something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I just think of young Steve thinking about after that conversation, but Adrian's right. That's the last time I'm going to do this. That's good. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything that you want to promote or, or anything else you want to share? No, I, I mean, nothing serious. Um, I guess I, a big thing I, I, like I've talked about today is the recovery community. I hope. If this helps anybody, if there's anybody from the alumni group that's struggling, I hope you find what you need. I hope you find someone to talk to. If you need someone to talk to, hit me up. That's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. I really do. I hope people do know that. Like, And Gonzo and I, we share this at times. It's like, I would love to be someone that if someone's struggling or if they're having a hard time, they can reach out and call. And I've had a few friends reach out to me and it, mm-hmm. I selfishly maybe feels really good to be that person, but I'm glad that hopefully there have been people in my life that know that they can come out and not feel judged or like, I don't know. I'm just like, I just want to share love with people. And it's like, everyone has a struggle and everyone has something they're going through. And if you can just, instead of judging them, just be there and love them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that that's just a helpful thing. And I think it's also <laughs> helpful to know, like, I mean, and we, we say this often that people, uh, there's other people out there that have gone through hard things. Like, you know, I, I know that I've heard 
Sway Singh. Like, after his episode, a few people reached out to him. Mm-hmm. And, like, his was sex addi- addiction and recovery that, mm-hmm. that way. You know, we were talking about BJ before we started. And, like, I know people reached out to him after his episode. And we've talked about me, like, transitioning out of uh, the Mormon church. And people have reached out to me to talk about that, too. Mm-hmm. And I think it's nice to know... It's like if if there's something you're struggling with that there's people out there that you can talk to even within our graduating class Mm -hmm. and that there are people that are just love to get a a text or a phone call from someone and just be a listening ear or be able to help in any way that they can too. Literally. Yeah. That's a big thing. When you're at your worst point, I guess for me, when it felt like the walls were closing, I felt like I had nobody literally just felt alone. But that's kind of that night with Robbie Barrett. That's what kind of like flipped it. And so hopefully, again, yeah, if there's anybody out there, if you need someone to talk to. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and you know, hopefully we can be a Robbie for someone, you know. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I feel like I want to say like this episode brought to you by Match.com. <laughs> <laughs> and Amazon. Perfect. <laughs> 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 Uh, yeah, I've, I've got I've got the ad for the card table right here. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks really. so much. Glad. Thanks for inviting me. I was happy to do it. So, Steve, we just got done talking to Adrian. What are your thoughts? I I loved it. Um, I I keep thinking that we need to start taking pictures of people when they're here with us. And I, I forgot. know I'm such a bad like picture taker person too. Like I I barely See? take pic- any pictures, but it should be like. We need to remind ourselves when someone comes over, we should like snap a picture with them. First thing. Yeah. Or like when they're in the car, take a picture. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I loved it. Um, he, I mean, shoot, I didn't know that stuff about him. Sounds like he's been through a lot. Um, and it sounds like he's come out on top. Like I, I yeah. love, I mean, 12 years sober almost like good for him. I'm super proud of him. Um, you can tell, I mean, that's what he, before we even talked to him about his passions, he talked about like, as I'm older, like I love helping people and like it meant a lot to him to have Robbie reach out and just to have somebody, I don't know, to feel like you're very alone and very sad and think nobody cares to have somebody on their own accord, reach out to you and show some form of expression of concern and love. I think that like, I don't know. I don't know Robbie, but I love him. I'm so happy that he talked to Adrian's mom. I'm so happy that he took it upon himself to go over to that house and look you know, years down the road at where he's at. Like he's got his wife and he's got his two girls. He's happy. He loves his job. Like I, I'm just happy for him after all that goes through. Cause not, a lot of people don't end up with that. And so just, I, I could listen to him talk about it all day. I know it, it's like his story was so great. And it was also the, the providence of, you know, it's like he, his mom picked him up that one day, like Robbie went and talked to him and then like the week later he like decided like no I'm gonna get cleaned up and his mom it's like come get me and then the very next day like the house that he's living in is raided and like yeah you know, like his roommates arrested and things like that and he's like in a way it was almost like here's my second chance of life like right um his opportunity to yeah do something new to clean up to do to have a different life and and he took it uh, it's it's awesome. It's a it's a great story. It, it was great 
to see him, to have him come over and to be open to share. And also to say like, hey, I know, I know this isn't something that just happened to me. I know a lot of people struggle with this and he at times had felt like he was all alone, but he's like, if, if someone, if anybody needs someone to talk to, I'm here. And that's, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. And I think on top of that, like opening up about it, because like we talked a lot, I don't remember if it was during the interview or after, but just talked about how a lot of people try to keep things hush hush or they feel ashamed or, you know, people are really concerned about their image, especially in this area. Yeah. And so just letting it be known like, Hey, you're not alone. Cause like, I know, like I kept thinking about how you've talked a lot about your, your journey with transitioning from, from a church and from faith. You've talked a lot about Ollie and autism. And I think that by us being open about the things that make us human, it helps other people be like, Oh my gosh, like you've had people reach out to you about church stuff. You've had people reach out to you about autism stuff. Yeah. Like you've had people reaching out. And I think that it, it creates a world of people like, Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Like I am dealing with addiction recovery. I am dealing yeah. with this. And I hope that anyone that's hearing that it gives them hope and they reach out to him or to whoever, but like, yeah. So not alone. I, I think there's like a human nature to say, there's the human nature to be like, I got it all together to at least have like an outward image to say, like, we got it together. Like we're good, fine, normal yeah. people or whatever. Right. And, and it's not like, cause you were saying specifically in our area, I think in our area, there is a pressure to say like, you know, based on the community and the, the church community that, that we're involved if you're a member in member of the church and following all these rules, you should, you should look like this. Exactly. You should have it all together. So, but it's not, but I think it's, all, it's like a standard, like a human nature thing to yeah. want to like, at least appear like, Hey, I've got my life kind of together. Yeah. But I feel like, and maybe it's a generation or maybe I, people are more willing to like kind of show the cracks to say like, you know what? I, we don't have it all together. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, when it comes to like Oliver or when it comes to like real struggles, you're like, I, a lot of times we don't know what, what we're doing, mm -hmm. if it's the right or the wrong thing. And we're struggling a lot of the times, you know, yeah. and it's hard and, yeah. and everybody has their struggles and, and everyone has good and, and bad days and are maybe going through tough things. So, um, it, I think it, it does help to know that other people, you know, have normal lives. It's not just you. And it looks like, you know, that everyone says the grass is always greener, but it's, it's not true. It's everyone is, has something to do with. Just got to water your grass. And some people are watering it a lot. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. It's like the grass is greener, but you should see that water bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that the, the thought that I have, maybe I'll, I'll kind of close with this thought is it's really easy to judge other people and have the right answers when I'm not the one going through it. It's right. like, Hey, you should just do this. Like, did you try not doing drugs? Like, you know? <laughs> right. And and we, we make that joke a lot about certain things. Um, but I think more just being empathetic. Like, instead of thinking, man, can't believe someone did that or is doing that. Instead, how would, like, why are they doing that? Asking, like, why? Or just listening. And instead of trying to offer solutions and suggestions, just loving that person. Just like, hey, yeah, like, you're struggling and I'm here. 
Uh, and I think that that can fit and it could create a culture of love for that person. So they don't have to feel alone. Yeah. Like, and if like he had his people like going through it, his addiction recovery, like he had the people he had you know, going through AA, like having people that he was just open with. He got to let down his pride, let down his walls. And I think that really just is a good lesson for all of us to learn. If we just don't be too prideful, we, we can all be. And the support from his wife. If we learn anything is everyone's wife's always right. (laughs) (laughs) Match.com. I love it. All right. Well, if any of you out there, uh, if you've been getting that itch that you want to be on, or if there's someone you want to hear from, send us a message, let us know. We'll reach out. But, uh, we love, we love doing the interviews. We'll, we'll keep them going as long as we can. And we, we love doing it. Thanks for listening. Bye.